I am Jen Wilson, author and body, mind and soul coach. Welcome to the I Am podcast, where we explore who you are. Welcome to another episode of the I Am Jen Wilson podcast and I am Jen Wilson. Lovely to have you back with us and I hope that you enjoyed last week's um, interview with Paul. This week, bringing you another boy and this week I have got Mark, Mark Slate, who had reached out to me to ask me to be on his podcast and I asked if he would return the favour. So in this chat, Mark is a health and wellbeing coach. He mostly coaches people on nutrition, um, but has also been a lot, a lot more open. That's not right English. Um, he's been really open with some of his own personal journey and experiences that he's had as a man talking about things that men don't want to talk about, like getting your prostate checked. Um, it's a conversation I've tried to have with my dad, and my dad's just, just like shriveled up going, no, 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 doesn't want to talk about it, but it's something that's so important. It's like women getting their smear tests. The test is there, it's available. Men should go and get the prostate checked. It's if you have prostate cancer, if it's caught early, like any cancer, it's really treatable. So... Yeah, we have a conversation about that. We have a conversation about eating. We have, oh, the conversation just kind of goes all over the place like all my conversations do. But Mark is such an interesting guy, really honest, really funny. Um, we had a really good conversation. Just before we go into the conversation, I just want to remind you about my book, Nine Rules to Sort Your Shit, which is available on Amazon, paperback and Kindle. All you need to do is head over to Amazon and either search for Jen Wilson or Nine Rules to Sort Your Shit and you can get your hands on a copy. I was blown away by my own wisdom when I rewrote this book. Um, it's the second edition, first edition being Become a Warrior Woman, Nine Rules to Sort Your Shit, which is still available and it's still very wise. Um, depending on which title draws you more, you can get either one. The second edition has been revised and updated though, so it's my most current thoughts on things, reworded, revamped. So I'll start rambling on about my book and take you into today's podcast. Enjoy and I will see you on the other side. Cool. Right, so on today's podcast, I have Mark Slate with me. Mark, how are you today? I'm um, wonderful, Jen. Thanks for having me on. No, pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. Second male guest of the podcast since it's rebranding. How does that feel? Yeah, it's awesome. That's awesome. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. How, how does it feel to have male guests on your show? It's exciting because there's different conversations happening. That There's diff- a different perspective and new information like there's lots of information that I bring to women that I'm like this is information we should know as women like women's health and stuff like that so being able to then bring a male perspective and men's health stuff into it as well which the female information everybody should know the male information everybody should know because they all know males and females in our lives so the more information we have the more power and the more we can help each other yeah that's brilliant I love it because we're all humans at the end of the day yep so why don't you tell the listeners who you are? Okay, so I'm, I'm the creator of a company called Health Buddy, which is based, although it's an online company, it's based quite a little way away from you. You're up in Scotland. I'm down in Milton Keynes, which is uh, down near London. So, yeah. But yeah, I, work, I try and work with people in Milton Keynes, men and women over 40, um, trying to stop the onset of long-term illnesses such as high cholesterol, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, all that kind of stuff. Um, I believe from my experience that so many people have what they deem a normal life, um, but that's really damaging to us in the long term. A couple of years ago, my own father had back-to-back heart attacks and, and he led what he believed would be a normal life. And when I say normal life, that was sort of cereal for breakfast uh, sandwiches and crisps for lunch and then a, a British dinner. So meat and two veg for dinner. And he thought he was doing a good thing. Yeah. Um, it turns out over the years, this has been really bad for him. And I see it so often with so many people, um, that I just, my passion now is to stop people going through what I went through with my own father sitting in a hospital waiting room, waiting to be told that your parents are dead is, yeah. is horrendous. 
and I'm trying to stop that with as many people as I possibly can. Yeah. Where do you think that the typical British diet idea came from? Um, wow. <laughs> Breakfasts, probably Kellogg's. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know who other than Kellogg's have come up with this idea that we must eat this, this processed sugary food for breakfast. It's possibly the worst thing you can put in your body first thing in the morning. Yeah. Um, the sandwiches and crisps thing, I don't know where it's come from, but it's everywhere now. You go to like your supermarket and your local corner shop and you get these meal deals, you know, a, a, a drink and a bag of crisps and a sandwich for, for two or three quid. And it's, I don't know where that's come from, but it's just the norm now. Most people seem to do it. They'll pop out and get this, this meal deal every day at lunch. Um, yeah. Men are probably worse for that than women, I think. Um, the evening meal, I think that's always been that way, hasn't it? Meat and two veg is a very British thing to do. Yeah, I suppose um, it's, quite, it's what, what used to be available. Like people used to eat the meat because that was readily available in the UK and potatoes and carrots and peas because they were pretty readily available here as well. Yeah, and it's just this thing that with the there's nothing wrong with the the sort of meat and two veg diet, I suppose. But the way we cook it as well is a big issue. I look to my own parents, and and you have your cabbage and your carrots, but they'll be cooked to death, and all yeah. the nutrients have gone in the water, which they've then tipped down the sink. And you think you're doing well by having these two veg, but if you think whatever guideline you go by, whether it be five a day, seven a day, ten a day, you're only really having two two veg a day is not enough and then you cook all the nutrients out so it's it's little things like this which we think we're doing quite well but over the course of 50 60 years is really really damaging to our to our health yeah and do you have like a template then that you that you suggest to your clients of this is what you should have for breakfast lunch and dinner and snacks or do you look at each person on a sort of more individual basis like how do you work that with your business okay i have a i have a generic view of trying to cut out as much processed food as possible. Mm -hmm. But I also, I'm quite keen on not laying out a nutrition plan for people because I think everybody is different. So I would start with cutting out as much processed food as possible. Then I would look at trying to eat well a certain percentage of the day. So for me, I would eat well 90% of the time. Um, But on the other hand, an obese client who weighs maybe 27, 30 stone, who's eating takeaways every day, it's not realistic to say, right, I want you to eat well 90% of the time. Let's start yeah. you eating maybe one good meal a day. Let's start to get some more vegetables in. Real basic changes for someone who's maybe that lost. Um, like I say, everyone's different. Everyone's at a different starting point. So but I try not to be too strict and say you should eat this, this, and this. There's obviously nutritional benefits to certain things at certain times a day, but I try not to get too focused on that in the early days. It's just about cutting out processed food, eating good natural food, going organic as much as you possibly can. But yeah. I do believe we know what's good and we know what's bad. We just need to do it more often. Yeah, definitely. Because you'd have to be unable to read and hear and maybe even see to not know what's good for you. Because the yeah. information's out there, like we know. What about people that you may have come across that, ha- that eat well, like they have loads of veg in their diet and they have that, but then they still are carrying lots of excess weight. How do you address that with them? Well, then I start to look at other areas of their life. It, my business runs on five key elements, which is your nutrition, yeah. your exercise, and that your mindset is the very first thing. We look at relationships, stress levels, and your internal health. And the way you show up every day, the way you carry yourself, um, the way your mindset is, is set makes a huge difference. So stress is a big factor. You could eat well all day long, but if you're highly stressed and you're working 14, 15 hours a day, you're probably going to find that your hormone balance is out and you're not going to lose, lose weight anyway. Yeah. So the very first part of my programs is mindset and motivation because everyone, we're coming up to January now as we record this, a couple of weeks away, everyone is going to start a new diet in January. Okay, yeah. whether you need to or not, everyone is going to say, <laughs> I'm going to start a new diet. But how often does that stick? Does it, does it last till February? Most cases, probably not. Probably a week or two into January, it might last. Yeah. And that's why mindset and motivation, you have to motivate yourself. You have to find a reason why you, you're going to do this and, and find a deeper cause for maybe why you've gone down the path you've gone so far, why you might be a little bit lost. Um, but there's, there's always many, many reasons and everybody is different. And if you want to get really technical, if you start looking at NLP work and you start to really tap into people's minds as to the, re- the real reason why they're like they are, yeah. Most of the time, it doesn't even come down to food. Like you say, the information's there. We know what to eat, what not to eat. There's deeper reasons for it. Yeah. 
and generally that deeper reason comes down to not feeling enough and not feeling worthy and it's finding then where that root cause of that comes from but when you do you work NLP with your clients I'm starting to a little bit more yeah. I'm, I'm getting qualified in that myself so it's starting to come a little bit more but I think I've always been pretty good at just finding out what the real reason is with people I can sit down and talk to people really well yeah and although I work with men and women I know we want to talk a lot about men's health today but I um I find women open up to me really really well yeah um within within 20 minutes of having a first meeting with someone they'll tell me that they've not had sex with their partner in two years that they've, they've been raped by their parents when they was a kid and they'll let everything out within 20 minutes men I could be with them for 20 years they'll, they'll tell me nothing yeah. men just do not open up like women do and the NLP work just the more I do of it the more fascinating it is the more you really get to the root cause very very quickly of why people are in the position they're in yeah I was going to ask that did you notice difference differences in how to have a conversation with the male versus the female to get to those root causes because men can do tend to be much more guarded in that and I suppose over time I imagine down down in England it's very similar to up here in Scotland as men don't talk about feelings it's they go to the pub and have a pint and that that deals with all issues yeah it does men frustrate me so much because I have so many connected with me that that need help um and want help, but they're just not, they're not willing to say it out loud, uh, which is really, really frustrating. Physically, they have the same problems as women. Yeah. They, they do, but they just, they don't open up like women do. And they bury their head in the sand. And like with my own father, it's the same sort of thing. It, it's okay. We'll put it off till next week, till next week. And I think it goes back to the old days where they want to be the hunter gatherer. They want to be the, the provider for the family. So they don't want to be seen as weak. Yeah. And that's why a lot of them don't talk, but um, without knowing the stats to hand, uh, suicides in the UK, 75% are men. And I think the reason, big reason for that is because they bottle things up and they don't talk and they don't share their feelings. And so many people connected to me on social media open up a, li- a tiny little bit and say, like I asked a question the other day about Christmas, what are you doing at Christmas? A couple of men, I'm going to be sitting on my own. I've got no one to be with me. And they'll open up that much. But when you try and dig deeper, they won't share. Yeah. And they won't, they won't let it out. They won't talk about it because they feel... Sometimes they feel ashamed of talking about it. Sometimes they feel weak or in, um, they've got anxiety and stress about it because they just, just don't want to let people know that they feel the way they do. They feel a bit of a failure sometimes. Yeah, I think it would be so hard for men. As I know, one of the Celtic football players just last um, the other day had to pull out of the, the most recent game because he's dealing with really bad mental health problems. And at the match, they had a huge, the fans had a huge big banner like supporting him, saying it's okay to not be okay. But then on the other hand, Darren Fletcher was in the paper talking about he's got colitis, ulcerative colitis, and he was having songs chanted at him about his health condition. So you've got guys experiencing these two very different extremes of one side, people will support you, and the other side, they won't. And I suppose football, because it's so big here in the UK, that's where men probably experience a lot of things and people on your side will be all right but people on the other side won't and I suppose you then think that's what the rest of life is going to be like because it's not just about the sport yeah definitely and and people people are well a person is generally kind and a nice person but people can be horrible and when you get into a group of people and and you open up in front so if someone come out on social media and said something they kind of open themselves up to this this world where people can almost bully them. And it's, it's like going back to school where the, where the nasty kids have a go at you and stuff. And if you've had that when you're a kid, I was bullied when I was at school and it took me a long time to relax in public. I'm still not great in, in big public spaces. I'm not great in big crowds because of that, because I was bullied at school. And, and that works for everybody. It stays with you for the rest of your life. And yeah. for, for people who've had maybe a not very good family upbringing, maybe you have had poor relationship with your parents maybe they've beaten you or sexually abused you or something they're two of the people that you should trust most in the whole world Mm. and they've let you down so that's going to stay with you forever why would you then go and trust me or you for example if you can't trust your own parents and and that's a big reason why a lot of people don't open up yeah that's heartbreaking it is how do you get around that or have you found a way yet i'm sorry have you found a way to get around that with any of the men yet it's difficult um, the NLP stuff helps a little bit, but the biggest problem I have with men is that they don't come forward in the first place. Once they're actually a client, 
they're my best clients without a doubt. I can, because they're the same age as me, we've gone through the same sort of history. I can really relate to them. I can really talk to them really, really well, but actually getting them to come through the door in the first place is, is almost impossible. Women will, will flood to me. Men, definitely not. For every 20 women I have, I might have one man Mm -hmm. and it's really, and he'll sit there for probably years before he actually comes forward and, and says anything. So actually getting, getting them to that place where you can sit down and have a coffee with them really really difficult really tough, really tough so if you could give a message to a man if there was a man listening to this just now that was in that space where their health was maybe a concern or their weight was maybe a concern is there a message that you would say to them to reassure them to reach out for help yeah find someone that you can connect with whether that's like like for my clients i'm i'm 40 next month um well actually i'm still saying next year because it's december now so i'm still saying i'm 40 next year. um but but the reality is i'm 40 next month so i can connect well with with people that age but you find someone that you can connect with someone you can feel like you can trust follow follow someone on social media nowadays people are so open on social media i put everything in my life on social media for that reason that people can see what I'm really like. It's not just a, a front or a cover and then I'm totally different in the background. If you go on like Instagram stories and stuff, you'll see every part of my day for that reason that people feel like they can connect and they can trust. But when you have got that sort of connection and trust, just drop a message to someone. Just just say hello. Just just start the ball rolling. If it's weight that's an issue, you don't have to start going to Slimming World Weight Watchers. You don't have to start running marathons. You can just start with something very, very basic. And if you connect with the right person they'll start you in that way. You don't have to jump in at the deep end and you don't have to share everything to begin with. It might take a year. It might take two years with someone. My longest client's been with me for three years and is still here and still they're sharing things now. It takes time and it takes the yeah. right moment. You can't just sit them down and say, right, I want you to tell me about your parents. So they'll come out when it's ready to come out, but you have to be in a safe place that you know you can trust someone that you can talk about it openly. Do you share parts of your journey and your story with your clients to help build that trust and rapport? Oh, absolutely. I, I've had no, not much of a different life to most of my clients, I don't think. Um, I can share a couple of things with you today, which I, I know will help men. I had a prostate exam recently. I think I talked to you about that before, where it's, for a man, it's a very scary thing having a prostate exam. Well, I assume it is. It was for me anyway. <laughs> um, but it's something that you don't want to do. It's something you don't want to talk about um and and what i try and do is share what went what happened for me when i had my first one because i'm sure if i'm thinking certain things that my clients are thinking certain things yeah. and other people that are connected with me are because men's a man's mind is a very strange thing now when you go for a prostate exam you're worried to a, to a degree that they might find something you're worried that you know the cancer word is there you are worried about that there's no doubt about it yeah my biggest concern when I went for a prostate exam was how clean is my bum now if I'm worried about that <laughs> I know other men are worried about that and it, it's silly little things like that 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 people need to know you know we, we all yeah. know how important it is to to get checked early um if you're gonna if you're gonna get cancer you need, you need to find it as soon as possible yeah. um but there's other things that stop men going and, and we're strange people it will be the fact that I don't want a doctor to see my bum or I don't want a doctor to put a finger up my bum. It's, it's that that stops them going rather than the thought of I might, might be told I've got cancer when I go there. Yeah. Yeah. That's because when you do something like that, I mean, I've obviously with Crohn's, I've had many rectal exams to the point that I'm just like, that. yeah, okay, whatever, do what you, do what you need to do. Cause I need to feel better. Um, but when you're in that space, you're so vulnerable because you're there with your pants down with somebody else in control of what they're about to do to you. Yep. And it, it's, you have to have a lot of trust in that person who's about to stick their finger up your bum. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've never been so vulnerable. I, I tell you what happened was I had it for, well, I, I was actually in Edinburgh um, last, last July, I think it was. So 2017, I was in Edinburgh and it started, then I started to get little signs that, um, that things weren't quite right. Um, for, for people who don't know what can happen with your prostate, it's for me, there was a few signs. There was, I would go for a number two on the toilet and then within 20 minutes, I'd need to go again for a wee. And that was very strange for me. I'd be out with a group. This is how I knew it happened because I was in Edinburgh with a group of friends and I'd go to the toilet and I'd, I'd go and I'd do a poop. And then like 10 minutes later, I'm like, guys, I need to stop and go to the toilet again. And everyone's like, well, you've just been, I'm like, I know. 
but it's, it's one of these things that's happening at the minute. I'd get up many times to go to the toilet during the night and I was only 38 at the time. So I thought this is, this is strange. I've got like an 80 year old man's bladder at the minute and I'm getting up two or three times during the night. Yeah. Had some, some sexual issues where I wasn't producing as much as I used to. I wasn't as aroused as I used to be. I found, I found difficulty getting aroused and it was, it was really hard to go and sit down in a doctor's room and talk about things like this. So I rung up the doctors and I put it off for a little while and I rung up and they said, do you want a male or female doctor? And I was like, well, I'm not talking about sex and everything else with a female doctor. So definitely I want a man. And that, that was my thing. I needed to talk to a man. He'd understand a little bit more. And then, um, then the strangest thing happened. It was about, I had about a week between ringing up and, and actually getting the appointment. And, uh, I sat there, I thought, well, I know what's going to come. Being a health coach, I know that the procedure is going to be a finger up the bum. I, I know what we're going to talk about and what's going to happen. And I thought, a man's finger is going to be huge. Okay, so, <laughs> so I actually rung up and I thought, what do I prefer? A female finger up my bum and have the awkward conversation about the sex and everything else or a man's finger. And I, I rung up and I changed my appointment. And I got a female doctor because I thought her finger's going to be smaller. So, I'm sorry, I'm laughing, but that's the it is. It's all right. But, that's the thought. Uh, I'm, I'm, that's the yeah. Well, it might be for most men or it might yeah. just be me. I don't know. But yeah. hopefully people listening will, and you it, know, they'll agree with it. it may be something that somebody hadn't considered and they've gone and like that, they then go, actually, I don't want to go and see a man. I want to go and see you. So you could have just helped somebody. Maybe. But the thing yeah. is, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have made any difference in the long run, you know. It's, yeah. You have the conversation. They're trained, trained medical staff. They've heard the conversation many times. Yeah. So we sit there with this, with this female doctor and I'm having the conversation. I've told her everything. It's really, I'm quite embarrassed, but I've told her everything. And she said, okay, are you okay with me to examine you? So, you know, I've got tracksuit bottoms on. I'm, I'm prepared. I know what's coming. Yeah. Um, and she's right. If you'd like to jump up on the couch. And uh, she, she goes over to the wash, wash basin, starts washing her hands up, put, putting gloves on and stuff. So I've jumped up on the couch. I said, how do you want me on the couch? She said, I'll just, just lay flat. And I thought, well, that's a bit strange. I didn't expect to be laying flat. I thought I'd be sort of like in a fetal position and curled up a little bit. So anyway, yeah. I've dropped my tracksuit bottoms to the floor. I've jumped up on the couch. Um, another word of advice, jump up on the couch, and then drop your tracksuit bottoms because it's really hard when you've got them tied around your ankle to then jump up on the couch, <laughs> as I found out. Um, so I've jumped up and I'm laying, I'm laying on my belly and I've got my, my trousers down by my ankles. So my bum's on show. And the doctor's come over and she said, oh, I was just going to check your stomach. And she was just <laughs> going to have a poke at a prod on my stomach. I was like, oh, okay, I feel really stupid now. <laughs> so, so then I've laid over and I'm really conscious. She's, she's poking and prodding at my stomach. Um, and like Mark Jr. is just out and about. And just it's, yeah. just it's just everything's out. And I'm like, I feel really conscious now that everything's hanging out. And she's poking and prodding my stomach. Yeah. Um, but then she said, like, do you want me to, you know, you've got your trousers around your ankles. We might as well do the rectal examination. Okay. So we'll do that. It's fine. Um, at that point I thought I could get out of this. She said, do you want me to do it? And I thought I could say no, but I'm here. And if I don't get it done now, I'm going to have to come back at some point. Yeah. Every man at some point is going to have to have this done. You might as well have it done now and, and know what the answers are going to be. If they're good or bad, at least, you know, you can't go away worrying about it after this point yeah. um and, then, and another thing for men as well my, my dad has had a few of these like like you he's had several gut issues and he's had probably five or six rectal examinations now his advice to me was that when when they're doing the exam you'll get to a point where you feel like you're going to poo yourself and i was like i really didn't want to know that so i'm, I'm really conscious of that as well yeah and so you hear all these stories beforehand that really put you off but the truth is when you go there, it's over within seconds. You don't really, you don't feel any pain, a tiny little bit of discomfort, but it's fine. And then, you know, sort of straight away that there's, there's nothing wrong. She told me my prostate was healthy. Um, there, there was no issue and definitely no cancer or anything like that. And she told me there and then. So it's instant peace of mind for 20 seconds of discomfort. Yeah. It's well worth, well worth doing. It's got to be. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier on about hormone balance through yep. as one of your sort of five stages that you do. And I obviously am aware that women have hormonal balances because they have menstrual periods, so hormones fluctuate throughout the month. What, for a man, do they have similar, like obviously they don't have 
to say that estrogen progesterone because you don't have periods, but do you have like t- testosterone dips and drops? Like, do you have that kind of cycle, like a cycle of sorts? Yeah, they do. Men do. Men do have a time of the month. There's no, it's not quite the same <laughs> as yours, but but we do. We have we have times of the month where where levels do drop, testosterone drops, and yeah. you know your cortisol levels will go up and down, and and men carry. I'm not saying that men are more stressed or got more pressure than women, but it's a different pressure yeah. and men feel that need to provide and that they, there is that constant sort of pressure on them. Um, and again, women have got a different pressure, but their stress levels impact their hormones a lot and their testosterone and cortisol will go up and down. Food cravings will go up and down. The way they talk to people changes from day to day. And it's a big thing every month. Men, you will see it in men. We will go through a cycle. Every month, there'll be times when we're a bit snippy, maybe not as snippy as women are at their time of the month, but it's, it's definitely noticeable. And um, the hormones are, (laughs) but like the women I work with, because I'm over four, working with women over 40, a lot of them are going through the menopause and it's a really difficult time for them. Mm. And one of the things is that the men need to understand as well more about the menopause because it's very easy to say oh, I've gone home and my wife's bitten my head off for not doing the washing up or something like that but you have to understand why she's doing that and why she's going through the menopause and how it's affecting her so that the man can almost make that as easy as possible and it will make his life easier as well if he understands what she's going through and I talked on a podcast recently um, with another coach about the menopause and what men can do to ease the transition if you like um, yeah. and it makes it easier for the whole household really yeah yeah, definitely. I think that's why it's so important for both sexes to understand what each other's going through because for women it's easy to go, oh, well, you don't have the same kind of hormone fluctuations as we have, you don't understand, you don't understand. But men, on the other hand, have got, they're having to receive that and they're going through their own stuff that we don't understand because each other's so caught up in their own, this is what's going on in my body and this is what's going on in my life. And it's there's a level of selfishness where you have to start being a bit more empathetic towards each other to make life easier on both sides. Yeah. I mean, you should always put yourself first, definitely. But I think in a relationship, if you, if you enter a relationship and you think I'm going to do everything I can for my partner and your partner has the same ethos and does the same, you're going to have a really good relationship if you're both putting each other first all the time. And you do have to understand what it's like, because like you say, we both have differences. We both have things that we're going through. And you have to understand what that's like for both. It's no good just saying, uh, let's try to think of an example. Like a pregnancy is, is really tough for a woman, but it's also very tough for a man as well because there's a lot of things he'll have to do in the background. And, and generally women will say, oh, it's all right for you. It's all right for you. But it's kind of not. It's, there's a lot of stress on the man during a pregnancy as well. And there'll be a lot of worry there for his partner as well. Um, and that's just one instance, you know, it happens all over the place. Like the menopause, like I say, you've got to, got to be supportive rather than just thinking, Oh God, I'm going to go to the pub cause she's having a go at me again. Yeah. Well, just be a bit more sympathetic, empathetic and, and work with it and work around it. Sometimes you come home as a man and, and, and your partner will want to sit down and talk and maybe have a cry that the following night, she might not want to talk to you at all. And you have to try and understand what's going on within her body to, to make her be like that. Yeah, I imagine for men, there'll be an element of feeling helpless around it because it's not something that they can fix or do anything to make physiologically easier, whether it's pregnancy, whether it's a period, whether it's menopause. It's like there's an element of there's a lot of stuff I can't do to make this any better where a lot of men want to go, right, this is how we fix this. This is how we make it easier. Yeah, it comes back to sort of wanting to be in control, wanting to be in charge and and, and being able to help as much as possible. But, you know, that can go on for eight years. Normally, we're used to, like, just, just for a few days in a month, just staying out of the way. And all of a sudden, we've got possibly sort of eight or nine years of this. And just just being arrogant and say, oh, you'll get over it, you'll get over it, is, is not the way forward. You have to understand and you have to try and help and, and be as comforting and, and helpful as possible. Yeah, definitely. What got you interested in all of this stuff? What, the menopause? <laughs> <laughs> And helping people about the health buddy. Well, it started quite a few years ago. I was I was doing another job. I was an engineer, and I just woke up one day and I just didn't want to do it. Just didn't have the passion. I, I don't think I had the passion for quite a while, but just one day, kind of woke up and thought, this this is the day I want to do something else. What do I want to do? I was coaching a hockey team at the time, um, and it was I knew it wanted to be sport or health, but I didn't know what. So. 
had done a few classes uh, in nutrition, really loved that. And it just kind of spiraled from there, really. And it was a case of trying to help. I thought at one stage I could help everybody. And, and you try to help everyone. You, when, you, when you go out and you do your, your social media marketing and you put your website out there, you do it so general to everybody because you think, I'm going to help everybody now. I've got this really good idea. But the truth is that you have to you have to pick a niche that you can really connect with. And, and when my dad had his two heart attacks, it was, it was that instantly. It was the over 40s straight away, yeah. um, trying to stop people going through that. I've talked about it on my own podcast about the, the night my dad had his heart attacks. And it's, it's awful. And you don't want people to go through that. And when I say people, I mean the person who's having a heart attack. You want to look after them so that they're healthy. They don't have to go through that. Yeah. But also the family around them as well because you don't realize. You might be sitting there. You might be overweight. You might be on the sofa eating your pizza, watching your football. That's fine. But think about the family that you're going to leave behind and, and the nights and the, and the heartache you're going to give them when you are ill or when you're so ill, they're having, you're having to depend on them and they're having to look after you for the next 20 or 30 years. That's not very fair for the rest of your family. And I think when, if a man thought about that long term, they would be less inclined to be less so dismissive about it in the present. If they thought, yeah. my family's got to look after me for the next however however long. Did your dad really? make changes after his heart attacks? Was he quite willing to make changes or was that a journey in itself? It's been two and a half years and unfortunately, no. He hasn't made enough changes. It's, okay. it's heartbreaking, really. Um, and particularly having a son who's a coach, he will not listen to me, which is which is really hard to take. Um, but he will listen to his GP. And unfortunately, the GP will... I know you've been down this with, mm. with your own journey, that the GP will provide medicine, but yeah. the GP will not look at the root cause of the problem. And I can see the root cause of his problem, and I can help him, but he will not listen. Yeah. And he will then go to the GP, and instead of... He's got type 2 diabetes now. He's now 72. No, he's not. He's 68. <laughs> um, he's 68. Got that totally wrong. Um, but he's got type 2 diabetes. He's had that for a few years. But that's been because of the things like the cereal for breakfast, for example. It's the yeah. white bread on his sandwiches and all the processed food. And it's culminated in him having type 2 diabetes. I warned him that he would have that a few years ago. And, and he pretty much shouted at me and got really angry that I'd told him that because he didn't believe that would be the case. Um, but then... He goes to the GP and GP says, oh, you, you know, you might have type 2 diabetes. We'll give you some pills. And he's almost happy that he's got the pills because he's heard he's got an answer and he's got a solution. But that's not the best solution. You can have the pills and you can still eat the, the chocolate eclairs and the cakes and the crap. But getting rid of that is, is what's going to help you live a longer, healthier, happier life, not just having a pill and then carrying on eating the crap on top of the pill. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's difficult when they're so close to you and, and you, you can help, but they won't, they, they won't take the help. You know, it's the age old thing. You can lead the horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And it's, it's frustrating when it's someone so close to you, especially when they've had such a warning back to back heart attacks yeah. and they've been in hospital for three weeks and, and you can see the damage it's done. And you think, come on, wake up, see what it's done to you. Yeah. You, you will not get a better chance in this. You've, you've basically had a second chance at life let's do something with it and it's frustrating that well it's very frustrating that he doesn't do that yeah i think it's kind of standard that parents don't listen to their kids yep and I've, like ever since i've been in the fitness industry i've always said never work with your family because they won't listen my mom is notorious for not listening to me and then five years after i've told her that margarine is shite and butter is good she'll tell me that she saw on the tv that margarine is shite and butter is good and i'm like i told you that I wasn't making it up and yep. various other things, but she has to see it from somebody on the TV before she'll believe it. She won't believe, just believe me. And it's like, yeah, I know. Yeah. I've had the same problem with dad. I've been telling yeah. him about the, the damage that dairy's doing to him because he's got so many problems that yeah. I've linked it all back to dairy. I said, right, if you cut out dairy for a month, we'll see an improvement. I guarantee it. Just, just, it's only a month out of your life. Just do it for me. Be fine. And he'd, he'd done it for like three days. And, and dairy to him was just cutting out milk. He, you know, he still, he still eat cakes with dairy in and stuff like that. He didn't really understand. And then, then he went and had an allergy test and they'd take a lock of your hair and yeah. test you for like 150 things. He's come back that he's allergic to the proteins in dairy. Yeah. So he then starts telling me, oh, do you know it's caused this problem and it's caused that problem. I told you that like two years ago. <laughs> but because someone's actually written it down on a bit of paper and he's paid someone else to do it, he believes that rather yeah. than what I told him two years ago. So is he taking dairy out his diet yet? He's he's doing it now. He's um, 
to be fair, he's, he's doing quite well. He's yeah. still not grasped the, the full concept of it. Like yesterday, he, he was eating cake. Um, yeah. Doesn't understand that there's dairy in that. Um, the biggest thing is, I think, that there's so much free from free from products in shops like gluten-free, dairy-free. There's, there's In supermarkets now, there's, I'm assuming it's the same up in Scotland, yeah, big yeah. shelves of free from stuff. And I said to him at the start, if you want to cut out dairy, change the food that you're eating. Don't go to dairy-free butter. Don't go to dairy-free milk. Don't have butter. Don't have cheese. Replace it with vegetables or nuts or seeds or avocados or something like that rather than trying to replace that food with something that's been modified or, or chemically enhanced to change the, change the product. Yeah, because the nutrients that you believe that you're getting from the dairy with the calcium or whatever, you need to then get that from elsewhere and getting it from a fortified non-dairy alternative is not, which is highly processed and probably as processed if not more so than the original milk that we're drinking. Yeah, I mean, I was there when he came home with his first food shop after finding out that he needed to cut out the dairy. And he's, he's gone to the free food section and he's brought home cereals that are gluten-free and cereals that are dairy-free. Like, just stop eating cereal yes. for breakfast. For Christ's sake, just just have something, have some fruit. Have There's so many good things you can have for breakfast. You can have a healthy fry-up, really. You know, we call it a fry-up. It wouldn't be. It'd be grilled and it'd be good food. But that would be better for you every day than a bowl of cereal and milk. Yeah. It's just not doing you any favours whatsoever. But again, you... Then he'll have his he'll have his cereal, have his diabetes tablets afterwards. He'll check his blood. Oh, my blood's only at four or five. Well, that's because you've had the pills. It's only masking the problem. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's it's very frustrating. You see it with um, we were saying just a minute ago that people don't see the damage that it's doing to them long term. When I see people with young kids, it really is heartbreaking. And you see them smoking and drinking and eating processed food. Think you've got a young daughter there who's three or four years old. You are taking away years of your life that you can spend with your daughter. And you're at a point where not just taking away years, but you're taking away the quality in them years as well. So maybe when your daughter wants to, or your son wants to run around and play football with you, you won't be able to do it because you're in a wheelchair or you're, you haven't, you know, you've got arthritis or you've got diabetes and you haven't got a feeling in your feet or you can only stand up for 10 minutes at a time. It sounds extreme, but I see it all the time. And it's heartbreaking to see that. Yeah. Plus you're passing on your bad habits to your young kid as well. What do you think needs to happen for things to change oh wow um <laughs> how long have we got <laughs> um, big question <laughs> the, media, the media is a big thing um yeah. you look at headlines and, and i understand it i understand they need to sell newspapers and, and tv shows and stuff but the headline of fat is bad or fat is killing you that's the headline and my nan was a great one for this she's not with us anymore but she would she would read a story that i, I don't know like the member sausage and bacon causes cancer yeah. Right, that's it. I'm not having sausages and bacon again. Or fat is bad for you. Right, I'm eating no fat again. But they just read the headline. And even sometimes the, the body of the text in the, underneath the headline is rubbish. And it doesn't explain the difference. Fat is amazing for you. We all need it. Okay, we don't need it from KFC. Yeah. But that's not in the headline. That's not what it's saying. And people then say, oh, fat's bad for you one week. It's good for you another week. No, fat is always good for you. But it's the right type of fat that's good for you. Carbs are not bad for you. Carbs are essential for your body to survive and to produce energy. But the way it's portrayed in the media and things like the Atkins diet, people have this, this really bad idea of food. And I think the media should be helping people more than what they are. Um, the government is probably the next thing. The government don't do enough to help. Um, I, I can't remember if we talked about it before, but this, this 800 calorie a day juice plan for diabetics yeah. um, is just ridiculous. Yeah. But that's come from the NHS and from a government source. You think, what on earth are you doing? Why are you not educating people more? And there's too much, the pharmaceutical world are too interested in making money. You can maybe not cure cancer. Maybe that's not the right word, but you can eliminate a lot of cancer with nutritious meals, with good habits, with good exercise. Radiation being pumped into you is is okay it's a short-term fix and it works for a lot of people but you're basically pummeling your body with something that causes cancer it might fix it in your breast but it might move somewhere else but if you build your immune system up you have a much better chance of fighting that and every other illness that goes along with that as well yeah but there's no there's no money in eating greens and eating vegetables is there that's the problem no. there is no money in people being healthy no nope. 
because I think the, the pharmaceutical industry is like a trillion dollar business or something like, you know, like that's numbers that I can't even work out. Like how many zeros is that? And <laughs> there is no way that they are going to allow governments to start properly empowering people and educating people so that they become healthy and the health system change. Although if they don't do something, the health system is going to completely collapse because people cannot afford if we don't have the NHS and people have to pay for the medications, nobody's going to get well because they can't afford it. And then the pharmaceutical industry is going to go completely anyway because there's no people left to buy their medicines. So they're going to have to look at doing some sort of integral healthcare medicine, using more plants and starting to educate people because yeah. the system's failing badly. It is. And I think people just need to have more um more conviction in in powerful places to stop there being a mcdonald's on every street corner you know there's there'll be in my town there's probably i don't know 10 to 12 mcdonald's chains in in milton Keynes, yeah. and there's probably like three greengrocers it's really really messed up yeah. and the, the, oh, there's so many things that need to change people don't know how to cook properly People don't know what to do with a broccoli and, and you go back to right at the start of this podcast, we said about boiling things to death. People assume that healthy diet is really bland, boring food. It's just carrots, broccoli, potatoes and cabbage. And it's not, you know, salads in the UK, I'm guessing they're just, I'm guessing they're just the same up in Scotland as they are down here, but it's, you get a side salad and it's lettuce, which is iceberg lettuce, which is tasteless and boring. It's cucumber and it's tomato yeah. and it's naff. And no wonder people don't want to eat salads. But my salads, which I post on my social media, are amazing. And I would happily eat them all the time. Yeah. But they're, they're full of so many different flavors and things. And they've got oil on them and nuts and seeds and salmon and, and olives. And they're amazing. There's flavor the side salad we're used to sucks. And yeah, that's but- why people are scared. Because people don't know, A, how good eating healthy can be. They, they see all the health coaches posting these things. They think, well, I could never cook like that. You can. I'm not a chef. I'm just a normal person and I eat really, really well. On a low budget, I eat really, really well. And people don't understand, this is the biggest thing I think, how well they can feel. They, they are used to the IBS. They're used to the tiredness. They're used to needing the nap at two o'clock. They don't realize what a difference cutting out dairy, don't realize what a difference eating healthy, non-processed food can actually make to their body. And I feel great 99% of the time. I went out for a meal last night for a Christmas meal. I didn't pick the restaurant. It was a meat restaurant, like a barbecue restaurant. Yeah. I don't eat a lot of meat. I really don't. And I picked the only two vegetable options, a vegetable starter and a vegetable main. And I come out and I felt light. I felt quite good. Everyone else is coming out going, oh my God, I'm so full. I feel really tired. And I was fine. Yeah. And people don't realize how good you can actually feel. This it is not the norm to feel shit. Yeah. But we accept that. And then the level of normality drops from being feeling elated to just feeling all right and just all right is what they then aim for so anything less than just all right is no good rather than the just all right realize that that that's only like 50 percent of what you could be yeah and this this idea that we we get to a certain age and and my dad's forever in the doctors you know he's he's probably going on their christmas dinner this year he's he's there (laughs) every single week like two or three times I don't want that for a life. That's not my future. I do not yeah. want to see that in my future. But we get this idea that, and I'm nearly 40 now, as I said, and, and I see people that are 43, 44, my clients, but they've, they've got the body of an 80-year-old. I do not want that. I want to be 80 with the body of a 40-year-old and with the life of a 40-year-old. That's my aim. I don't want to be going in and out of doctors and taking six or seven pills a day just to, just to tick over. That's, that's not my idea of a future. But yeah. we're used to that. It's what we see as our future. Yeah, and it's kind of what the NHS has been sold as, is they're the ones that will fix everything. So you don't need to take responsibility for yourself. Just go and ask the doctor, and the doctor will prescribe you the tablet, and then you can go back to the way you were. Yeah, and you know, super, you asked what could change. Supermarkets are another one. The first bit you walk into a supermarket is your, is your veg, and that's the best part of the supermarket. The other 95% of the supermarket is processed crap. But yeah. where do we spend most of our time? In the processed crap aisles and not in the, the veg bit. The veg bit is a bit where British people go through, pick up some apples, uh, you know, a cauliflower, a cabbage, and a bit of broccoli, and then go and do the rest of the shop, go to the freezer sections, get all your processed food, your tinned food, and all that kind of stuff. And that's, that's what happens, really. We rely too much on our freezer and our tins rather than the fresh stuff in the, cupboard, in the fridge. Yeah, 
Yeah. What about bulk cooking, like in a slow cooker and then freeze and stuff? How do you feel about that? I, I think that works really well. Again, it depends on each person. Um, for me personally, I, I tend to cook a, a bigger portion in the evening and then I would box, say, say I'd have two thirds in the evening. I'd, I'd box up a, a third and have it the following day. Yeah. Um, that just works really well for me because I have something different sort of every day then. Um, but there's absolutely nothing wrong. I've done it before with soups, with stews, things like that. And like you said, put them in a slow cooker, put them in tubs, put them in the freezer. It's a great way to live. And my clients say to me, I get caught out. I, I come home and maybe I was one client, particularly she's, she's in a, in the Salvation Army. So she's out carol singing a lot of the minute being Christmas time. Yeah. Um, and she comes home like nine o'clock at night and my husband's done me a cup of soup and a loaf of bread. Well, for her, that's really bad. And she, she knows that and it makes her feel bad. But if you just made some soup and you defrosted it the night before, you could warm up just as quick as you can make a cup of soup. It'll be really healthy, really nutritious. You'll feel great. You know everything that's gone into it because when you make your soup, it's unlikely that you're going to put sugar in it. But when you get it out of a tin or a packet, it's going to have sugar in it. So that's really bad. So just be sensible. Make a few things that you can box up. And you can get really inventive as well. You know, you can box up your spaghetti bolognese and things like that. And you can come out and put them in a dish, put them in the oven. And it can be really, really simple to eat well. But you don't even have to produce massive tubs of prepped food. You can have some bagged rice, although it's processed foods in a bag it's probably the best version you're going to get just you know the two minute stuff you just ding in the microwave yeah. have that get a cooked chicken maybe from your supermarket and if you really stuck it takes you two minutes then to have a nutritious meal pull off a leg off the cooked chicken have a bag of rice it's better than the processed food you're going to get from a ready meal or something like that yeah yeah what do you think your biggest challenge with your clients just know is um probably short-term gratification uh people come to me and they want instant results but you're in a place that's taken you 30 40 years to get to where you are you're not going to cure that in 12 weeks or six months it's going to take longer and most of my clients to be fair now are with me for a long time and it takes them sometimes you get the odd one that, that sees results really really quickly but a lot of them it will take them 12 months and then they sit down and they say okay now i understand what you mean i'm meeting all my clients at the minute for christmas going out for coffees and the ones that have been with me for eight months or more, you can see the difference in their face. You can see the glow. You can see they're happier. They might not have lost as much weight as they initially thought they would lose because, yeah. they're, because they're quite big. I think I'm going to lose three stone this year. Actually, no, you're not. But you've, you've got a better relationship with your husband. You're happier. You're not tired. You've got less gut bloat. You know, all these great things. You're going to the toilet regularly, yeah. sleeping well. And, and they look great. And they sit there and they say, I, I didn't understand it to begin with but I totally get it now. It takes time. And they all say to me, if I lose the weight, great, but I feel so much better. It's, suddenly it's not about the weight, but it always is in the beginning. It's always about the yeah. weight in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, they don't realise how much confidence that they've maybe lost within themselves and just having that support network around to help give, to empower them. And then once they start getting that, then they realise what's more important to them and their values will then start to kick in for what's what's most important day to day. Yeah. And they start to shift as well. The people that they surround themselves with, they realize that the people they've surrounded themselves with over the last few years are not really the people they need to surround themselves with now. Um, even down to partners, sometimes they can be, we joke about it. They could, the husband could be a bit of a feeder and they absolutely can. And they can not understand the journey that you want to go on. You need to try and connect with people that are going to build you up, are going to get you eating the right food, and are going to help you. It's harsh sometimes. Even my own journey, I see it all the time. I talked about this last night, funny enough, that I think I'm outgrowing my, my group that I'm with, and I'm outgrowing certain things. I went to this restaurant, and I sat there, and I thought, this isn't the restaurant that I want to be in. I need to be somewhere different. Yeah. And I need to be with different people who don't go out drinking every weekend. I need to be with people that understand that I meditate and that I look after myself, and it's huge. When you connect with the right people, you have them in your life. It's, it's, it's a game changer, definitely. Have you moved groups before? Like have you transitioned from one group of friends into another group of friends? Yeah, it happens quite, when you look back, I say quite a lot. Um, <laughs> I've still got them as friends. They're still connected with me, but I spend yeah. less time with them. Yeah. Um, even to my parents. Um, 
I, I want to talk to my parents about my business. I want to talk to them about my clients, but they don't understand. And I understand now that that's just something that we don't talk about as a group. Yep. I talk to other coaches. I talk to other friends and partners and stuff about that, that, that understand it and are in a similar position. But I can't talk to my parents about it because they don't understand. So can't dump my parents and get rid of them, but <laughs> you just choose what conversation you have and you choose what groups you spend the most time with. And I would rather go to yoga and to a meditation class than to the pub with my friends because I don't drink anymore anyway. And yeah. the group of friends I was with before don't understand that. Why are you not drinking? Are you driving? Well, I am, but that's not why I'm not drinking. I'm not drinking because it's better for me. I went out last night and drank apple juice all night and people even the bar staff look at you a bit strange. They just assume you're driving. I actually know it's a health choice. I don't feel the need to drink. Yeah. I went into a bar recently and asked them for a pot of tea. That, <laughs> what, what herbal teas have you got? Well, can I have a, a chamomile, please? And the guy was like, just, he stood and looked at me for a second. Like, I think he thought I was kidding him on. And I just stood and looked at him. And I was like, I want the chamomile tea. <laughs> <laughs> he went and got me it. And the woman standing next to me, she was like, why are you not on the wine or the gin? And I was like, I don't drink. And, and there's so many times I've been tempted to be like, I'm an alcoholic or just say something just to shut them up. I'm just like, I don't drink. Yeah. It's really dawning. And this, is, this is one of the things again with men that uh, there's a, in a coaching group of men, there's another guy who doesn't drink as well. And we've both said this, that as a man, you feel quite weak going out and saying, I don't drink. It seems like a really, wussy thing for a man to do not drink the man should go out and have five or six pints he should be a man right but to go out and just drink water or apple juice is is odd and it took us both a long time to to admit that even in the group chat yesterday before i went out and they said oh, who's driving who's, who's who's drinking who's not and i had the confidence to put i don't drink anymore but years ago i would have just said oh, i'm gonna I'll, I'll drive tonight and you know it's easier for me to drive and i'd make an excuse but yeah. i don't feel i need to make that excuse anymore yeah. But in actual fact, the fact that you're not drinking and that you're standing by that, that's actually the much stronger thing to do. It is. It's hard to do. That. It takes, it takes you a while to get there. Yeah, yeah. And it just takes, I suppose, being able to handle people's responses because you're not letting your insecurities and that need to justify what, what you're doing. Because I put a post out last week about not drinking so I haven't drank. I haven't been drunk since 2014. And the last time I had a drink, I had two bottles of Krabbies and a can of tenants when I was at Tea in the Park in 2015. And other than that, I've not had anything at all. And the number of people that contacted me, either asking for advice on it or going, I stopped drinking last year as well and I haven't felt better. And there definitely seems to be a big movement towards people not drinking as much as they used to. Yeah. And I think going back to when I was younger, I was never really happy as that person. I'd go out and like you've talked about your story before, like going out drinking, going on the parties and the holidays and drinking morning, noon and night. I've done that. And I was never really happy with that. I remember years ago being on a friend's stag do and we started at one minute past 12 in the afternoon. And I, I really didn't want to. I was hoping we was going to go and like play football or do something like an activity or something. I didn't want to drink for 12 hours or more, but they did. And they started and by four o'clock, they were playing drinking games and drinking like, Baileys and lemonade and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, <laughs> and I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to take part in these games. And, and it was a Saturday night and I think half past nine, I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going back to the hotel. And I went back and watched matches a day and everyone else carried on till one o'clock in the morning. I remember a couple of guys bursting into my hotel room at like 12 o'clock. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, you're being such a girl, not being out drinking. I don't want to drink anymore. It's been like nine hours. I don't want to drink anymore. And I was never comfortable in that kind of environment, but I was too scared as a man to admit that. Yeah. And I think a lot of men are probably like that. It's seen as what we should do. And that's the biggest problem with men's health generally. It's seen as the way we should be. And we're not confident enough to say, that's not what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. This has been such an amazing conversation. Is there anything else, any other points that you want to get in before we sign off? Um, no, I think we've, I think we've kind of covered everything. The only thing I will say is for a man, if you've got problems, whatever it is to, to get it checked quickly and not just for a man, for women as well. You know, if, you, if you're unsure about something, you find a little lump, if you find something that's not quite working properly, go and get it checked. And there's no harm in getting things checked. I'll tell you just a very quick story this, this week, funnily enough. Um, so this is Sunday now that we're recording this and it was last Sunday so a week ago now, eight days ago, 
I started to notice a little bit of blood in my stool. Um, and it, it happened the first time. I thought, well, that's, that's not good. Um, but I'll let it go and I'll, I'll see what it's like the following day. So Monday, the same sort of thing happened again. And Tuesday again, so three sort of bowel movements in a row. And I'd seen this, this sort of red tint to my, to my stool. And I wasn't very happy about that. So I phoned up the doctor. And she, she, gave me a, she gave me a call back, as my doctors do. You ring up and then they call you back to judge whether it's serious yeah. enough to come in. Yeah. So I'm telling her over the phone and straight away she says, um, have, have, has anything changed in your life? You know, have you changed your, your eating habits? Have you changed your diet or anything like that? Said, no, very healthy. I told her what I do, told her I exercise, I eat well, and, and nothing's changed. She said, oh, sometimes, she said, it can be just a change of diet that can change the color of your stool. And I'm adamant, like, no, nothing's gone wrong, nothing's changed. And she said this one word, she went, sometimes when people eat beetroot and suddenly this, this thing went off in my head and I'm like, I've, I've had a lot of beetroot salads last weekend. That will be why. Yeah. Uh, and the minute she said that, I was like, I feel really embarrassed now. I feel a bit of an idiot. Um, but it, the point is that you, sometimes that will happen. Sometimes it will be nothing, but you have to get it checked. And, and to, to yeah. do that after three days is so important because that could be really, really serious. And I know someone who's had colon cancer recently and it started the same way. So that trigger went off in my head. I must ring the doctors and get this done now. Yeah. Um, and it turned out to be nothing. I, okay, I felt a bit silly, but I come away thinking, well, at least I've done it. At least I made the call and I went there really quickly and it's done, it's sorted. If I'd waited a day, I'd have realized that the beetroot would have gone out of my system and there would have been nothing wrong. But yeah. the point is, just, just make the focal. It takes nothing to talk to a GP or to talk to a doctor or a health coach. Just, just share your concerns and we're all professionals and no one's going to laugh at you. No one's going to think you're silly. Just, just make the call and talk to someone. Yeah. Cause you're going to feel more silly if you ignore it and ignore it and ignore it. And then it becomes a big issue. And then you've oh, how angry are you going to be with yourself yeah. if, if you don't do it straight away and you end up. You're better having that moment of I'm a dick. That's funny. Yeah. That, that's so relieving that it was just the beetroot because I've done that as well. Cause sometimes it comes out in your pee when you just beetroot. Sometimes you go and you're like, Whoa, what's wrong with my pee? And they got <laughs> beetroot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't put two and two together until she said that word on the phone. I, yeah, what a twat. I just feel, yeah. But, but then she's obviously yeah. dealt with enough people that have been concerned about it, that it's something that's at the front of her mind. Goes, right, let's just check. Is beetroot something that you've put into your diet that maybe you hadn't been before? Well, the other thing is, uh, it was like a two-minute conversation, two to five-minute conversation, and, and I learned that she was going through what happens, because I explained that it was just like a red tinge to my, to my stool. She yeah. said, well... If you've got blood from your, from your colon, from, from the bottom end of your bowel, it tends to come out as, as spotting. It comes out as drops of blood. And you'll notice it when you wipe your bum and things like that. If you've got a problem higher up your stomach, it almost comes out black because the bleeding then goes through all your intestines. And by the time it comes out your bum, it's black. Yeah. So, all right, I felt a bit of an idiot, but I've actually learned something there that yeah. I know what to look for in the future. And even as a health coach, I didn't know that. So yeah, how, that how does anyone else not know that? Yeah, I didn't know that, and I've had bleeding coming from the back. That there's differences depending on which part of the colon, and then if you've got hemorrhoids, that bleeding's slightly different again. That's always fresh blood, just when you wipe. So if it's right. if it's a darker blood, then it's potentially come from inside. But if it just looked like really fresh blood when you wipe, then chances are it's a hemorrhoid that's burst and passing. Yeah. Well, this is things people need to know. Yeah, and say so I'm 40 years old and a health coach, and I didn't know that until a week ago. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's, that's about everything I want to I want to share today. I think that's a really good piece of information to end on. <laughs> <laughs> it's the strangest piece of information I've ended on, but yeah. I think in the this will be what fifty four interviews that I've done. I think that's probably the strangest piece of information that I've ended on as well. Oh, glad I'm glad I'm unique. I like that. <laughs> so, if people want to check out what it is you do, follow you on social media. Where is the best place for them to find you? Uh, they can go to my website, um, healthbuddy.fit. That's generally a hub for everything. You'll find the link to my own podcast on there. Yeah. Um, you'll find my social media links on there as well. You'll find me on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, if you search Health Buddy. Or you can go on Facebook and just search Mark Slight as well. You'll find me on there. That's pretty much the, the best way to contact me. If you go to the website, you'll find everything you need on there. There's a free challenge on there as well. Uh, this time of year, there's a free recipe pack on there for Christmas. There's, there's so many ways to get hold of me. If you just head to healthbuddy.fit, Yep. You'll, you'll get hold of me one way or another. Cool. I will put the links into the show notes. 
Thank you so much. And sorry for just promoting my own podcast on your podcast. Sure. That's bad. I, I'm always sending people to other people's podcasts. I'm like, you need to listen to this. This is brilliant. Because you can, as a podcaster, you can't have all the conversations on your podcasts because you can't always get access to people or you've just, there's only so many interviews that you can do. So if somebody else has already had an interview or whatever on there, then go and listen to that one and, and get more, get more and more information. Yeah. I, love, I love it as a source to send new clients if they come to me with a problem oh, I've got an IBS issue oh, I'll go to my episode with Jen because she talks about this and yeah. it's, it's great it's just an hour well half an hour for my podcast where people just get a good bit of information that can just put their mind at rest really quickly I think yeah definitely and then you're getting we as individuals have a lot of information but then when we're tapping into other people who are more expertise in that area then you're getting more details so I've learned things on the podcast with you today you learned some stuff from me on when we added your podcast and it's just the more information we can share the better yeah definitely people yeah get everything out for as many people to learn as much as they can yeah for sure thank you very much for having me on Jen it's been great thank you so much Thanks for listening and remember to leave a review and subscribe over on iTunes or SoundCloud and check out what's going on at IamJenWilson.com or head over to Instagram and give us a follow just following IAM.JenWilson.